And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. So excited to be here talking about your most exciting team in baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays. If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic yet, now is the time you want to go to theathletic.com slash spinrate. Hook it up so you can read everything written by the co-host of Spinrate. My name is Drew Fairservice. I am co-hosting this episode with Caitlin McGrath, who covers the Blue Jays for The Athletic. Caitlin, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm finally home during a recording of one of these. I've been on the road the last couple, I believe. You are back in beautiful downtown Toronto, freed from downtown, beautiful downtown Houston and beautiful downtown Florida, wherever else you've been, downtown Boston. Uh, that's it. That was the Boston Travel Odyssey, of course, downtown, beautiful downtown Boston. But as you, as, as you said, Caitlin, we record these all the time. We do two a week. And if you want to subscribe to this show, you got to go everywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple, Overcast, Stitcher. Subscribe to the show. Hit us with a rating and review. Once a week, me and Caitlin sit down, talk about what the Blue Jays have been going on, or what's been going on with the Blue Jays. Later in the week, me and Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays all-star, sit down and talk about Well, we don't sit down. I actually stand up. But we were talking about the Blue Jays. So subscribe, get it in your feed, and you'll be ready to go. Just like the Blue Jays are ready to go. No off days, no days off, no breaks here in, uh, as we move into May with the Blue Jays sitting with a tidy, cozy record that is of some debate off air but either way the blue jays just keep on winning baseball games they are facing a very difficult schedule as compared to the team that they are going to get set to host this week which is of course the new york yankees but before they face the yankees we can talk about the things that they did since last we spoke through as they navigate through this very difficult and challenging schedule when they dispatched the houston astros at home thanks in no small part to what is now looking like quite the off-season signing. Of course, it is a multi-year deal, not a one-month deal. But um, got to love what you've been able to see from Kevin Gosman so far in a Blue Jays uniform. Uh, the superlatives were flying around yesterday. He has, what I believe the number is, is it 44 strikeouts or 41 strikeouts? 41. 41 strikeouts, zero walks. Zero free passes, just throwing that befuddling splitter. But the, but I think, and, and, and I want to know what you have to say. Obviously, the splitter is the thing. The splitter is the thing that shows up on the pitching ninja that you've got, you know, everybody talking about this is ridiculous. The splitter diving down and in on the righties. But the splitter doesn't live alone. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I noticed this, you know, watching yesterday, watching some of the highlights. It's easy to overlook the fact that Kevin Gossman throws 97 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. that's crazy. And you can't yeah. have one without the other, but together as well as that incredible command, which, you know, we've talked about the wildness in the strike zone. Kevin Gosman does not 
looking like any of that. Being able to dot that fastball in the same place that he can throw that splitter and making himself just an unbelievable, almost unhittable pitcher through the first month of his Blue Jays career. Yeah, I mean, talk about no walks. Not only does he have no walks, but he's only gotten to three balls six times this whole That's season. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I guess you watch a lot more Giants baseball than me, so maybe you had more of an inkling of how good Kevin Gosman could be, as I kind of understand it. Like, you look at the numbers, and he had an, he had an incredible first half, kind of looks like what he's doing right now, and then he slowed down a little bit in the second half. I kind of understand that he had some personal things going on. He had, the birth, he had a birth of a child, and there were some complications, and he hasn't talked about it much, but I know um, Rosie Devano from the Toronto Star like wrote a column um, before the season that kind of detailed a little bit of just like, you know, he was going through some things personally that maybe interfered with his second half. Um, so obviously, Blue Jays fans are happy to see that Kevin Gosman is who he – was in that incredible first half where I think he was an all-star or, you know, he just was very good for the Giants. Um, and as you say, like the splitter is kind of what gets him attention. It's not just because it's such a good pitch, which obviously it is, um, but it's also a very unique pitch. Not a lot of guys throw splitters just in general. And then Kevin Gosman's in particular is kind of a weird sort of funky splitter. It's kind of his own little, you know, Frankenstein pitch creation. Um, and so that obviously kind of mesmerizes people because it's just so difficult to hit. And it's actually so fun to watch when you see guys that are just not even close. But the key to that, and the only reason why it is successful is because, you, as you say, he is uh, locating the fastball and he throws the fastball very hard. And so if he's throwing the fastball up and then he's throwing the splitter down, guys are just up there kind of guessing and they don't you know, know what to do. And that's very hard as a hitter. If you're seeing those two different speeds and those two different directions, the ball is going in as well as he also has the slider. That's been a pretty good pitch for him this year. Um, and so, excuse me, he can mix that in as well. And that kind of keeps guys honest as well, because then they've, there's another pitch that they kind of have to guess on, or they have to sort of uh, anticipate. And so he can throw that in. He also has like a traditional circle change up that he throws occasionally as well. Um, and he can use that. And so I think that all together, that's really effective, but it's also just been the command. Um, you know, like you, you look at a guy like Kikuchi, like, yeah, he can throw 97 with the fastball too, but he's not locating his four seam fastball right now. And so no matter how hard he throws it or no matter what else he mixes in, like if he's not locating his fastball and the guys are just kind of sitting on a slider or cutter, whatever you want to call that breaking ball pitch that he has, like that's why he's not getting the results. It's like it all starts with, or sometimes with a lot of guys, it all can start with that fastball command. And Kevin Gosman, I was talking to Pete Walker um, a couple of days ago and I wrote this in the post that's up today, but um Pete Walker just praised Kevin Gosman because he does exactly what you want a starter to do. He locates the fastball. He has good command. He um, is effective and efficient. He doesn't throw a ton of pitches because, again, he's not walking guys and he's throwing strike one and he's staying in the zone. And so he gets deep into games. Like he's obviously seven um, innings yesterday. We saw him go out for the ninth inning a couple weeks ago. Um, he is doing exactly what you want a starter to do. And all of his, I mean, all of his outings are like, you know, guys aren't scoring a ton on him. And I, I think even at this point, I, I don't actually know the numbers on this and I have to think, but 
I guess there was a triple yesterday, but he hasn't even given up that many, I would say, extra base hits. He hasn't given up a single home run yet. A lot of the hits he gives up kind of are like these singles that kind of just get through the infield or whatever. Um, Like I said, there was the triple yesterday. But other than that, like I don't remember a ton, a ton, a ton of like extra base hits with him. He's pretty, you know, he's usually if guys are getting him, it's usually these like singles the other way or something like that. He So looking at his, his StatCast page, you see that his hard hit, uh, percentage is is below average, mm-hmm. and his expected batting average and exit average exit velocity are are below average. But I think that's a that's a that is something you will happily accept when you have a guy with like the one hundredth percentile chase rate and like a ninety second percentile <laughs> whiff rate. Like he guys are swinging through the stuff that he's that he that he throws, or they're or and they're chasing, they're getting, they're going after stuff that's out of the zone. So you know. On top of all the extra strikeouts, the the extra strikes themselves are just so valuable. And you look at, you know, I'm looking at sort of the way that some of his pitches, you know, the the breakdown of what he's throwing and when. And it's like, you know, he's 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 throwing this year. He's throwing more, throwing a few more sliders against right-handers. Um, you know, he's throwing not as many uh, sliders against lefties, but I think it's often because he's so he's getting ahead, right? Because he's throwing strikes. So he doesn't need to steal a strike with a slider that he can throw in, you know, for a called strike or whatever. But the other thing you're seeing also is, and if you kind of track back, you see that at some point, it looks like it was probably when he was with Atlanta, they were like, this splitter is good. You should throw it a lot more. Right. And then, so that's when that splitter usage really took a big step up. The velocity was always there. He always threw hard. I mean, this was, he was part of this, that, that trio of great pitching prospects that the Orioles had. It was Gossman, it was Zach, uh, Zach Britton and, uh, Brian, uh, Mattis or Matus or whatever, uh, who, you know, never really panned out. And then Zach Britton had a great career, has had a great career as a reliever. And now Gossman is like a bit of a late emerging star. Uh, but just an absolute clinic and, and in terms of, of, like just as you said throwing command like with with command and i I saw him throw quite a few of those like fastballs that were down in the zone on top of the fastballs that are up right as you you said fastballs up and then the splitter is down but then when you can dot that splitter or that fastball in that fastball in that splitter spot where it's like they can't they can't they'll take it because if they think it's a splitter then they give up because it's good they think it's going to be a ball but then whoopsie doodle that's this is multiple whoopsie doodles already this season in in terms of podcasts, but uh, it's a strike and and that's just such a deadly combination and you see that with another guy who who throws a great splitter and that's Shohei Otani right Otani is really good that way where especially second time through the order if he's able to command the splitter he puts the fear of God into you but then he's dotting that ninety eight ninety nine on the outside corner and you and the batters are giving up on it and and it's just uh, just such a game changer so. He's been amazing, just like so many of the Blue Jays pitchers. I mean, we saw Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios is like, his numbers finally look a bit more normal. Yeah, it's getting he, more normal. Getting more normal. Still a little bit scary. I'm not even going to lie. Jose yeah. Barrios' outings are not for the faint of heart. Well, but then you look, but then he's doing the job. You look up at the end of yeah. the day and it's like, oh, six innings, two runs, six hits. But it's like, oh, they had, sure, they had an expected batting average of 400. And his, yeah. he's like in the second percentile for exit velocity but like hey they don't ask how they ask how many well i actually looked at this yesterday again in the piece today you can read it um and if you look at brios's numbers like yeah they're very high right now with 
hard hit balls, um, hard hit percentage and exit velocity. I think he's in like the bottom 6% in the league right now. And that's like a little concerning. If you look at it, his like expected ERA is like eight something. Um, mm. And his, his, his actual ERA is pretty high still because he's still coming down from that awful first start he had where his ERA was like a hundred or something. Um, it was but, 108. Yeah. 108, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so but then you kind of look closer and it's like, okay, Brios has been very durable and very consistent over his career. You look at like across the board, like all his numbers, like very much look similar out year after year after year. And so like you kind of think about it and you're like, okay, like this is a guy that's like always in like the upper 30 um, hard hit range. And then all of a sudden it's super high this year. I think you would be led to believe that at some point it's going to normalize a little bit. He's not throw, he's not getting as many ground balls as he typically does. So if he starts to like get more of those ground balls and do some more weak contact, um, he probably sort of goes back and sort of nor- normalizes to his numbers. And I think it's easy to forget we're talking about five starts. And really with him, it's almost like four stars because that first one you just have to throw away. It barely, mm-hmm. he, you know, like he what got retired one batter. And so like you're almost thinking about four starts right now. Um, and I just think those numbers are going to normalize. And I don't know, like I think that with, I, I've gotten the sense from him that maybe he didn't let on how much the shortened spring impacted him. But I think we talk about a lot, like with pitchers like Ryu, we kind of know they're very meticulous and they have sort of their process. And so with Ryu, we're always like, okay, obviously like the shortened spring probably impacted him because Ryu's, and I guess we don't know Barrios as much because we're still kind of getting to know him as a pitcher for the Blue Jays. I get, I get the sense that the, the shortened spring, the weird spring impacted him more than he like let on or maybe more than we all realized just because maybe he just seems like a guy that just is like, you know, durable goes out there, does his thing. But um, it seems like he really has a process in spring where he really does like to tinker with things and work on things. And I don't think he got as much opportunity to do that. So I think like this first few starts, he really still was kind of like rounding into like getting into a groove. I don't know. When I talked to Pete Walker, like they there was not really – um, any worry about him and it seems like every start has gotten a little better like I know that Red Sox start um, again he pitched very well um, that close game against the Red Sox that the Blue Jays ended up winning again I think on that Bo Bichette Grand Slam but um, it was like there were a lot of hard pit balls and then I feel like the next outing against the Astros there were still hard hit balls but I feel like there's a little bit less I don't know this is just like anecdotal that I'm trying to remember but it has been a little scary, but I tend to believe that things will get closer to his career norms because he's always been a guy that's kind of consistent with that stuff. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think it's really instructive to look at these numbers, look at the underlying numbers, kind of figure out what you've seen versus what you would want to project going forward. And the difference between someone like Jose Barrios versus, say, someone like Trent Thornton, right? Where it's Trent Thornton, sometimes you can look and be like, the results are good. And th- we went through this exact same thing last year when you were looking at, at Trent Thornton's performance and suddenly it's like, yeah, 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 are pretty good. You know, he's kind of cheating it around out there and he's kind of managing it. But then it's like, does Trent Thornton have the track record or the stuff to support the, this sort of imbalance between what we see versus what is measured? And I think the answer to that is no, right? With all due respect to Trent Thornton, bless him up. But Jose Barrios is the opposite, right? Barrios has an excellent track record. Jose Barrios has excellent stuff. There's nothing that you can watch. You you can't see him. You you don't watch him and see. Like, he's missing ticks off his fastball. His curveball is is flat and not fooling people, and and he's not able to, you know, his, his changeup is just sitting there, and or they're sitting on, they're just spinning on the one and waiting on the other. A guy like this, you have to feel like, given his track record, given what you can see with your eyes, there is only regression in a positive way to come, mm-hmm. right? He, because he he's able to to cheated around other than in the first start where everything sort of went haywire and it was his first outing and they're not going to leave him out there for 35 or 40 pitches in an inning to sort of figure it out so it's like this is this is what a good pitcher grinding looks like right he's able to 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 put keep runs off the board he's able to pitch around the situations maybe there's a little bit of bearing down again i don't know how much i stock i put in that sort of stuff but like he's grinding and it's to the benefit of the team right now with an understanding and a belief, if you're Jose Barrios, if you're Pete Walker, or if you're someone who's watching the Blue Jays, that like it's he's a lot closer. It, it's like the difference between, you know, when we talk about Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette's in a slump, right? And he has been. But you know the Bo Bichette can hit. You know the Bo Bichette's gonna get his timing right. There's, you know, he his approach is is flawed, but it is his own, and it has not impeded him this thus far in his career to becoming a significantly above average big league hitter. You know, he's going to come around as opposed to somebody who doesn't have the track record and doesn't have the skills to support that sort of like, this has gone horribly wrong. So for Barrios, I think that all that track record, all that, all that stuff, all that belief, you know, that's why you give a guy like this a big fat check because you know, he's going to keep your team in the ball games when he's not right. But when he is right, that's when it's like, okay, now he's going to start to hit a groove like we saw last year, right? We, we saw when he first arrived, a couple bad starts, a little bit wonky, and then was absolutely cruising. So I don't think there's any reason. It, I mean, it, you look, don't just, don't go to a stat cast page is what I'm going to say to you. Let him have one more nice outing, kind of drag a lot of that stuff up in that early season kind of small sample. These things are v- super volatile. You know, let him get through this really difficult piece of the season as as you've said, he's sorting things out. He's kind of in spring mode still. I, I feel confident that Jose Barrios will be the guy that, you know, he's not he's not the best pitcher in the world, right? He's not he's not gonna win the Cy Young. He's a really good he's really good at what he's really good at, not taking starts, eating innings, and getting guys out. And he's gonna do that. So I am not worried about Jose Barrios. Good. That's I think that's the right take. Now let me ask you something. You you okay. reported this today. Uh, a guy, again, a guy, uh, this is a bit of, of a, not tangent, but 
someone who there is not a track record of success, but there is so much belief in this stuff. And that's Nate Pearson. You said, you reported today that he is a locker. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's in Toronto. I've seen What's him. The deal? In the, I've seen him in the flesh. Um, oh, he's yeah. just here to be checked out by major league staff. I think they kind of want to see like where stuff is at and like, you know, get, get a look at him, but he's not, he's not anywhere near being activated. So don't get excited. Everyone. He's just, I was excited. I was excited. Caitlin, you reported that he's around. He's at a locker. I'm like, well, he's on the hill. He's, put him on the bump. Get him out there. No, too soon. Mm-hmm. Too soon. Too soon. He'll be here for a few days and then he'll head back to Florida and like continue to build up. Um, and then I don't know when we'll see him at this point. It's probably not any time before June. I would say thinking about all the progress he still needs to like make in terms of getting his pitch count up and probably getting some innings under him at, you know, rehab starts or what have you. So, but he's, he's here. Um, I saw him talk to him. He's, he's recovered from his mono mostly, I think still from still some like lingering fatigue. I think that kind of stuff can linger with mono especially, but, um, he seemed in good spirits. He seemed excited to be around the team. So that's all I got. That's all you got. Well, that's good. That's an update. And, and as, uh, as updates come, follow Caitlin on Twitter. She will report on them then and there. Uh, one other thing about Kevin Gossman, not allowed a home run this year. Mm-hmm. That's that's neither is Ross Stripling. Man. Yeah. Another is David Tim Meza. Neither is David Phelps. Neither has Actually, like the Blue Jays, I think um, they're doing a pretty go- good job of keeping the ball in the yard. Like they're, do- they're doing almost as good a job of keeping the ball in the ballpark as the ball is. Yes, true. <laughs> but no, the, the, you cannot. No, no human could take anything away from the way that the Blue Jays starting pitchers have performed. The pitching staff as a whole, like to the point where we're having. Uh, I'm thinking like, how can we? What kind of hairs can we split in terms of like? Well, I wish that Trevor Richards was, was as lights out as like half the rest of the bullpen, which is just greedy. It's greedy to expect everybody to go out there and be lights out like Tim Goddamn Mesa. Stink and Adam King. Simber. And Adam Simber has been really Adam good Simber. too. Actually, when it comes to home runs per nine, the Blue Jays are right in the middle of the pack. 0.88 home runs per nine. The Giants lead the way. The Giants have got some things figured out down there. In, uh, they didn't figure out to re-sign Kevin Gosman, though. They didn't, but they got Carlos Rodon. That's They're true. laughing. They are yeah, laughing. He's been good. He has been good. And Alex Wood. No, Alex Wood was bad yesterday. Sorry, Alex Cobb. Logan Webb is the other one. He's the other one who's good. Uh, what else do we have on the docket today? Oh, we can talk a little bit. So we talked about the pitching, mm-hmm. which has kept them in all of these one-run games that has been talked about ad nauseum as they won another one there on Sunday. But I want to wonder a little bit about your perspective, Caitlin, on why they are in so many off one-run games. And is it maybe because the offense, for all of its... Uh, uh, clutchness or lack of clutchness is, is is just not really producing at the rate that we'd expect them to produce at. Obviously, Bo Bichette has been sort of getting the lion's share of the attention, although he did have a bit of a breakout season this week. You know, if you had to say, I think this is the maybe Blue Jays' main offensive um, uh, weak point right now, or bugaboo, is that a real thing? What 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 do you think is, is maybe the, the the issue the Blue Jays are having with their offense right now? Yeah, I think that they just are not getting the hits when guys are on base and when guys are in scoring position. It's weird. They just haven't had 
too many um, of those innings where they're just are like stringing along hits, you know, like it feels like they got a bit of a momentum. They got a couple gone base and then like they go down, you know, three guys strike out or whatever. And it's feels like a lot of guys individually have had a really nice game that has been enough. You, George Springer hitting the two home runs, which was like enough offense for them. You have Bo Bichette um, getting the tying home run on Sunday. Um, and then I guess it was Espinal getting that um, RBI that helped them win the game. Um, you've had uh, Vlad a while ago now, but in that New York, that game where he sort of single-handedly won it for them with the three home runs. Like, I feel like you've, you can point to certain games where you're like, okay, this guy had a really good game and that was enough for their offense. Like, George has done it a couple times. Bo, they've all had, you know, Santiago has had a couple nice games like that too. Chapman had um, has had a big game in Houston where he hit the um, go-ahead RBI or whatever and when Vlad scored. So, like, they've had, like, little moments where guys are coming through and you're like, okay, that's nice, that's nice. But that seems like every time one of these things happen where they maybe win a big game, you're like, okay, maybe they'll get rolling here. They don't. And um, they haven't, They you know, like, runners in scoring position, they're not hitting well. I think their average and with runners in scoring position hitting is the worst in the American League right now. It's like 175. Um, their OPS is pretty low. I think their OPS is tied with the worst um, in the league right now with our, with um, the Royals. Like, they're just, they're, and you look at the Blue Jays and you're like, at the bottom of an offensive category, like that does not compute. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think with like runners and scoring position type stuff, like you would just assume that that kind of balances out. Like if, if they're getting hits and they are getting hits, like they're, they're not doing too badly in terms of like, um, you know, they, they have the most home runs, or I think they're tied with the Yankees for the most home runs in the American league. Uh, their OPS is like near the top, like they're slugging near the top. They're not doing too badly in like any of these, in offensive categories, like as a whole, but then when you look at like, when are they getting these hits? It's like, it's just not coming when guys are on base, um, which is strange. And you think that like, if a team can hit um, and the Blue Jays can hit, they're eventually going to start getting those hits when guys are on base. Like it's just going to happen. And so it's interesting. Like I asked Bo yesterday after the game, like, do you, do, does it feel like the offense is like close? Like it, does it feel like they're getting to the point where everything's going to be firing all the cylinders? And he's like, kind of like, yeah, like maybe, but actually like we haven't, it hasn't even been something we're discussing. Like we're not worried about it. Like this is baseball seasons, ebbs and flows. And he's like, basically like if we have to keep winning some of these close games before we have these like offensive outbursts, then we're going to do it. And I would say that like, that's been, um, you know, the one run games can be stressful. I think for fans, they've been very stressful. I think just for in general, they can be stressful when the players are playing in them. You have to be far more locked in to some extent when you're um, nursing a one run lead in the ninth, as opposed to if you're nursing a five run lead in the ninth. Um, So it is a bit high stress, but I would say that like the sort of benefit of these one run games has been a few things. One, it's kind of preparing them or, and I wrote a story about this on the weekend and it's funny because I'd been working on this because this has obviously been a trend and um, you know, I'd collected some quotes and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait for like a one run game to happen. And uh, it happened on Saturday, and I was like, okay, I think this is I'll, – I'll, I'll do the piece now because I don't know, like, you know, maybe they'll finally, like, have an outburst and I've got to use it. And then, of course, the next day they again won by one run. So I guess I could just have held that story forever because they keep winning – Um, winning games the same way but anyway um so I wrote about this a little bit and so like one of the benefits is that like yeah they're learning kind of how to win in tight spots and that's going to come in handy for them if this is a team that has playoff aspirations because a lot of times 
playoff games can be very close and you might be just ahead by one run or, or whatever. Um, so that's kind of preparing them for that kind of stuff. And it's also like one of these things that like, I think that as much as maybe having blowout games would give the team confidence, maybe the offense, especially, but like the fact that they're coming through in all these one run games against really good teams, I think is like actually giving them a lot more confidence. Like they're a team that like they came into the season very confident they came into the season with world series aspirations but the fact that they have gone nine and two in these one run games very early in the season i think is just kind of underlining for a lot of them like yeah we are good enough we can be a team that can win close games against good teams and we don't have to necessarily rely on our offense to score like nine runs to win games like we're a team that can win different ways and I think that that's given them a lot of confidence because I think they know eventually the offense will come along and they win they will start to win games by a lot of runs um but it's I think it's been good for them to know that they can also win these low scoring games because maybe that was something that I don't know that they didn't think they, they could do it but certainly now they know they can More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's definitely like a like a growth, yeah. Um, and and it's also interesting to, to compare. So you look at their numbers with runners in scoring position, as you mentioned. They have the second worst um, weighted runs created plus in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. I think it's like fifty six or fifty nine, which where one hundred is is league average with runners on base, which is that's truly awful. But if you look if you compare it to like their numbers in high leverage situations. The numbers in high leverage are actually much better than that. So it's it's not just just that they're not. I think that that's why they're not piling up the runs, but they are managing to get the hits because they are get these wins because they are hitting a little bit better in high leverage. And then if you look, if you combine high and medium leverage situations, they have you know the tenth. They're in the top ten in terms of weighted runs created plus. So it's almost like the timely hits that are really mm-hmm. coming through and sort of helping. No, them. they are. Yeah. yeah like- 
go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, and, and and the other thing, I, one other thing, maybe maybe a little bit on, under the radar, something that I, I definitely hadn't um, considered is I think that you know you mentioned the the was it was Matt Chapman's double, right? That that Vlad scored from from first. Um, yeah, in Houston that game. And I think that that's something that's kind of maybe worked to their to their advantage a little bit that they haven't really had a lot of um, outs on the bases. Uh, at, at this time, as we sit here, you and I, the uh, the Blue Jays rank third in terms of base running runs added as a, mm-hmm. as a team. So some t- some good base running, uh, crazy base running. So everyone, everybody who's listening to this owes Luis Rivera an apology, um, <laughs> and they all owe Vlad a debt of gratitude for running the bases, for setting the standard as a crazy maniacal base runner. Uh, but that's that's those are those are that to your your well made point is exactly what you need to do. To win those games, and you don't have to have that long a memory to think back to that game six against the Royals in 2015, where the Royals scored. Lorenzo Cain scored from first on a ball that went into the right field corner because they knew a because Lorenzo Cain's a good base runner and a fast base base runner, but they had had scouted something on Jose Bautista about what where he would throw the ball. On the in, a, in those specific situations, I believe it was understood that he would throw it through to second or something, or, or maybe behind to first. But they knew that, so they sent him right. So you know that was like a minute thing that won them that game, and that's that kind of attention to detail, that sort of overall kind of athleticism as well, which we see with the Blue Jays. And you know, Matt Chapman, uh, I saw him running the bases the other day, and. You know, he was going, he was moving. I did not think that Matt Chapman was going to mm-hmm. be nearly as fast as he was. So a good team that's aggressive and is, and is scoring like key runs where it's getting them through. And that's why you have a nine and two record in one run games. And you don't necessarily expect that to continue forever. Although I did see, was it might have been Eno, uh, or Mike Petriello was talking about in season clutch. Is something that we you would consider sticky, statistically sticky. Like teams can go on these runs and things can happen for a year. It doesn't necessarily correlate year over year, which is when you see a team that would like have a great string of one run games and kind of bu- buoy their record and then they kind of give it all back the next year and are bad again. Um, you don't necessarily always look to see that in year, so in season. So if one if in season one run kind of clutchiness is is a uh, is sticky. And the Blue Jays are uh, are laughing, and then yeah. and, and the other another side of that was also defense too, right? Again, George mm-hmm. Springer made that great play on Sunday, and going back into the corner, robbing extra bases from Alex Bregman. So, you know, just a team that's been put that's put itself in a in a position to succeed through its design, through its personnel, and through its kind of overall mentality. And you know, it, it might not last forever. Maybe it's not sticky, but you know, all the pieces are fitting together right now in a really uh, in a really exciting way. Yeah, and I think I would just add, like, and this is just, I don't know, my gut feeling or something, but in some ways it feels like it feels more like a, a, a certain thing because it's not like they're winning run one-run games constantly that's, like, 11-10 where it's just wacky and they're, like, allowing all these tons of runs. I mean, they're just playing, like, really tight, good baseball, and they're winning, mm, like, mm-hmm. 2-1, one, like, one nothing against the Red Sox. Um, so it's like, you know, I think, like, it's kind of encouraging to see that when they're winning these run-run games, it's often that it, they're getting, like, 
contributions from every part of the roster in the sense of like, maybe they're not getting the ton of offense that we maybe want to see at some point from them, but they are getting, as you say, that clutch offense, which is like just as handy um, when you just are talking about winning a game and they're getting the good defense. They're not giving up many outs on the bases. They're playing, uh, or sorry, their bullpen's pitching really well. All the guys that you want to be pitching well are pitching well. And those guys that are doing it, I don't think are guys that, um, are pitching like above themselves, I guess, so to say. Like Tim Meza almost has a calendar year of being who this is. Um, Adam Simber, um, again, like he didn't pitch for the Blue Jays all year last year, but um, he's been this guy consistently for um, both the team he was with before um, in Miami, right? And uh, mm-hmm. and with the Blue Jays. So um, there's a lot of guys, like David Phelps has been sort of quietly effective as well. Jordan Romano. I, I I I will just say though, I feel like Jordan deserves a few blowouts because I think he Let needs a rest. Let, Let the man have a rest. Let the man have a rest. I rely down. Yeah, it's it's a, it's funny and also like Jordan. Like I sit right by the bullpen. The man doesn't sit down much even in mm-hmm. all game. He's always up. He's always working. So, um, and I think he does that regardless. I think even if they were up like twenty runs, um, I think he would still kind of want to be in a mindset just in case i don't know i've never asked him um what it would he's, take he's never gonna to say like, be like give me a break s- guys you're killing yeah. me he's like i want yeah. the ball i want the ball they gotta have but, that mindset but and i think like actually maybe you remember this better than me but like i feel like this is kind of what they were like last year i don't think the offense quite exploded until later on in the season um well, they scored a ton of runs in dunedin right they used to hit so many home runs out to right center field in dunedin like Bo Bichette. And and Vlad were like monsters when they were playing in Dunedin last year. Right, but I just remember like, the bullpen being strong in April, and everyone was like, "Oh, the bullpen's been good." And then the obviously, bullpen, it, yeah, held it together it, in April. It didn't. It didn't stay, and so um, and like I just remember like Marcus Simeon started off really strong, or really slow last year. They didn't mm-hmm. obviously have George Springer. I, I need to go back and look at the numbers, but I'm just curious if you remembered like what they were score, what they were averaging in terms of runs in April, last mm-hmm. April compared to what they were at, this year. It was like about four runs per game in April, which feels low for them considering last year they averaged. Mm-hmm more than five runs a game um but Guriel was like oh for april basically yeah. last year danny jansen was like oh for april last year so vlad it was a, a lot april, of vlad so. it was a yeah. lot of bow um and then you know the rest of it sort of came together slowly but i feel like they did score a lot of runs and it was i mean it's not a big you were i guess you were you were there right yeah. you, well you've been there but not not I've when they were there. playing big league games so they uh they they did score a, you know a decent amount but it definitely felt more like what you had said before they were playing a lot of like those crazy high scoring games and comebacks and that long extra innings game with the rays like anthony castro had to come in and like kind of or uh, what's his name jeremy beasley guys like that were like kicking around but anyway it's a different ball game now feels much more like they have their uh, especially on the pitching side kind of their a roster right the only things are you know the aforementioned ghost nate pearson who is both He's Schrodinger's pitcher. He is both in Toronto and not in Toronto. He has a locker, but does not have the ability to take the hill quite yet. Real quick, let's look ahead to this upcoming week with the New York Yankees. Yes. Coming to town. All the Yankees, John Heyman, I saw tweeted earlier today that all the Yankees are here. Nobody has been uh, held back because of their uh, vaccination status, which is good because uh, it means that fewer people will hopefully get and spread uh, highly viral infectious disease. It's killed millions of people around the world. 
But the Yankees are coming in hot, and they are swinging. They are looking very Yankees esque. Aaron Judge on fire. Anthony Rizzo mm-hmm. on fire with his cheap garbage uh, Yankee Stadium home runs. Uh, Josh Donaldson has been swinging a hot bat of late. You know, Stanton is, oh, yeah. is John Carlos Stanton is still John Carlos Stanton. Even Joe Gallo showing signs of, signs of life. Uh, they got a great start from from uh, uh, from Garrett Cole the other day. Uh, you know, Nast- they Nestor. don't see they don't see Garrett Cole in this series. You love to hear that, although the Blue Jays do kind of own him a little bit. So maybe yeah, they you actually don't love hit to. him well. I don't know. They yeah. kind of rise to the occasion against him often. So. I mean, it's the Yankees. They've already seen them. They've already played them what twice. Um, you know, there's the that they've just got their bullpen is just insane. Like one after another. Clay mm-hmm. Holmes, Clay Holmes, unbelievable, unhittable, a monster. Jonathan Lewis is like their worst pitcher, and Michael he, King. He's been really good. Michael King by by Fangraphs wins above replacement. He is their best. Uh, he has the most. He's accumulated the most wins above replacement. His uh, expected ERA is like minuscule. Nest, Nestor's expected ERA is minuscule. Clay Holmes has you know a tiny all kinds of ERA. Same with Michael King. So just nasty, a nasty, nasty bunch. But you know the Blue Jays are technically. No, they are. They're a game and a half behind the Yankees. We're 16 and 6 at the outset of the yeah. series here beginning on Monday. So, you know, a good chance for the Blue Jays to continue to prove their mettle against good competition. Any uh, any other storylines you're going to monitor us for us, Caitlin, against the Yankees? Um, No, I think I'm just kind of interested to see how the Blue Jays play the Yankees at home. Um, mm-hmm. And like we've said, like they are playing really good baseball against really good teams. Um, and so this will be kind of a measuring stick, but so mm-hmm. far they've kind of measured up well against all these kind of measuring sticks type series. Um, and I would say the Blue Jays um, have had the harder schedule of the two teams. The yeah, Yankees, I was going to say, you, Yankees, you said, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the Yankees have come in um, winning nine straight, but They've been playing teams like the Royals, the Tigers, the Orioles, Cleveland. Um, and so they probably haven't played um, a tough opponent since early on in the season when they played the Red Sox and, and the Blue Jays. And even the Red Sox are kind of scuffling to start the year. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Like, I wonder if the Blue Jays will get their bats going a little bit. Um, you'd think it has to happen at some point. Is it? Is it Bo gets going? He was hitting the ball really hard um, against the Astros. George had a great series. Um, Vladdy, you know, Vladdy's just had a very, like, decent but quiet start to the year, other than, like, that game against Cole where he was obviously a superstar. But um, it feels it feels like he's still kind of trying to find his rhythm. Um, unfortunately, Teoscar Hernandez won't be back for this series. He is on his way to Florida right now to play some rehab games. Um, but I think the hope is that he can meet the team in Cleveland. And then potentially, assuming all goes well with him, he would be available the next time with the Yankees next week when the Blue Jays go to New York. Um, and so this isn't it, – it's interesting too because I think like the Blue Jays haven't lost a series yet. They haven't won every series like the Mets. Um, but they are undefeated because they tied a series against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. This is a three-game one, so someone's got to win this series. Um, and the Blue Jays would actually be going, I think, for a franchise record um, because they tied the franchise record going seven series undefeated to start the year, which they lasted in 1992, which you remember what happened back then. Um, I do remember. I'm sure you I, do not. I, I do not. Um, <laughs> but I know I've read history I, you read in the history books. I remember it with my memory. 
that's funny. Uh, no, it, it, it'll be really exciting, and, and it's, it's a good test. And as you mentioned, the Yankees have had a dog shit schedule. They faced the Orioles six times. They've faced the dregs of the disgraceful American League Central. Um, they haven't played a good team since the Blue Jays in the first week of the year. So uh, a good test for the Blue Jays, a good, hopefully good reality check for the Yankees, and a good time for you and yours for watching these Toronto Blue Jays. As I mentioned before, I will be back later this week with Ricky Romero. But until that time, Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic, thank you so much for taking the time, as you do every week, to chat yeah. with me about the Toronto Blue Jays. And I'll be back later on this week with more Spin Rounds.